I didn't like the word entertainment. Calling it immersive entertainment felt like it cheapened what we're doing somehow. Like it undermined the value of immersive with a capital I. I thought entertainment wasn't enough. Entertainment is the storytelling that shapes our culture. Entertainment at its best starts conversations and changes the way we think about ourselves and the way that we look at the world around us. What we're doing, creating and participating in shared experiences is entertainment, but it is entertainment that will let us choose the experiences that define our culture. Not just the stories we tell each other, but the stories that we live every day. Hi, I'm Nathaniel Skye, the host of the Immersion Nation podcast. Here, the masters of immersive experience create and conjure, muse and imagine the cultural revolution that is unfolding before us. That is immersive entertainment. Welcome. This episode is one of those episodes that is a little bit different. Usually we're speaking with a guest about immersive entertainment, but this week seemed like, as we're coming up at the end of January here, a good time to take a broader look at immersive entertainment as a whole. Starting with, of course, where we've been in 2019 and everything that has happened and kind of the changes and evolutions that have come to immersive experience over the course of the last year. From there, we're going to revisit the concept of play. In episode 21 of the Immersion Nation podcast, we asked you guys to reach out to us to answer the question that we put forward in the episode being, what do you think is the value of play? And maybe even what do we lose when we forget how to play? Your wonderful selves reached out to us and we were able to sit down with a few folks on a call and uh, record some of your responses. So we will be sharing various perspectives on the value of play and why play is important. And of course, I'll be sharing my thoughts as well, because I have a particular theory about this. And finally, we will then look ahead at 2020 and consider what's on the horizon for the immersive community for the next year, for years to come. And at the same time, things move really fast. And even in our industry, which is not digital, so ostensibly move slower, it's really not moving slower. Things are moving at an incredible pace. And so we'll be taking a look ahead at 2020. Before that, though, I would like to officially announce the 2019 Immersion Awards. Immersion Nation is premiering the annual Immersion Awards for two main reasons. One being we want the chance to lend recognition to the experience designers and creators and writers and producers and directors out there who are creating truly incredible and exceptional work. Those who are creating work that is transformative and innovative and really pushing the limits and also refining the medium of immersive entertainment, we want the chance to be able to just recognize the incredible feat that it is to create something like this, and especially those who are doing it at a really incredible level. Second, this will hopefully serve to give people who are maybe new to immersive or maybe just coming into 
adventuring through immersive experiences, a place to look, a cross-section of their own to see what is out there and some of the incredible creators and experiences that they do have the chance to go and actively participate in and experience. Um, and of course, hopefully to bring those immersive creators and those immersive experiences and the immersive fans and participants and adventurers out there together. Hopefully they will meet up somewhere on the other side of the rainbow and um, be able to go seek out the work that is shaping this kind of new line of thinking and understanding this thing that is immersive entertainment. <laughs> Nominations for the 2019 Immersion Awards were sent out this morning and we will go through and read out the nominees at the end of the show. Um, I should say that we did our best to choose experience creators from a wide cross-section of the immersive experience realm as a whole across the state specifically. We are definitely going to include international experiences um, in 2020, but Immersion Nation has not begun to explore as much as we really want to international immersive experiences. And we just felt like it would not do justice to the breadth of experiences out there outside of the States if we were to bring in experiences from other countries for this year. Um, that is definitely something we are going to be focusing on for this upcoming year, both in, of course, the 2020 Immersive Awards, but also in our interviews and our coverage as well. It should also be said that we are an incredibly eclectic industry. We are an industry that is new and experimental, and there are... I have no doubt experiences out there and creators out there who might not even know that the work that they're doing could be called immersive or that there's a cohesive community around this idea of experience creation and experiencing. And I can say for a fact, there are immersive experience creators and immersive experiences out there that we don't even know exist. And so if you are out there and would like to, as a creator, be either added to our experience directory or potentially come on the podcast or drop yourself into the pool for the 2020 Immersion Award candidates, please reach out to us. We'll have a link or a couple links for you to reach the Immersion Nation team in the podcast show notes. And of course, um, there will also be a link on the about and info page for the 2019 Immersion Awards as well for experiences and creators who are interested in saying hi. We will, of course, come back to nominations at the end of the show. But before we do that, taking a look at immersive entertainment in 2019, I wanted to start with this clip from a talk given by Jenny Weinblum. And that's immersive as a catalyst for social change, which is really what today has been all about uh, in one way or another, um, which is pretty, a pretty darn thrilling thing to be a part of. I believe that immersive work is an opportunity for us to practice and experience deep empathy. I believe that immersive work is an opportunity for us to experience tremendous generosity, both giving and receiving it. I believe that immersive art has democracy embedded in its DNA. Uh, and I believe that Immersive work uh, at its best, or at its most interesting to me, we all have different tastes, I don't want to say at its best, what excites me the most, um, is using immersive as an opportunity for rehearsal for resistance. And Immersive as an opportunity for rehearsal for resistance. 
Again, that was Jenny Weinblum speaking at the Immersive Design Summit. And this idea of rehearsal for resistance actually taps into, I think, a lot of the conversations that were had around immersive entertainment in 2019. In 2019, immersive really kind of came into its own in a new way. Not that it wasn't before, but in a way that it hasn't in the past. Discussion evolved around what this thing we're doing in experience creation and participation is really all about. I like can't even say enough how much I would encourage you to go check out that talk. Um, again, just search Jenny Weinblum, J-E-N-N-Y-W-E-I-N-B-L-O-O-M, and then Immersive Design Summit on YouTube, and that will come right up. Um, but again, it really frames what 2019 looked like for us as a community of creators and participants and guests and the wide range of people who are actively involved in immersive experience. Speaking to immersive experience coming into its own, like just to kind of briefly go over some of the larger things that happened in 2019. Well, first off, Meow Wolf, of course, is doing its thing. Meow Wolf went through a massive multi-million dollar funding round and of course are opening locations in Denver and Las Vegas in 2021 and actually this year, 2020, respectively. And that is in addition to more concrete announcements of projects looking at a massive Meow Wolf hotel in Phoenix and a potential project in Washington, D.C. And of course, there even was mention of the potential of having 15 experiences cropping up across the entire country um, mentioned by their former CEO who actually stepped down this year. Um, we have Galaxy's Edge. Of course, you know it, you've heard of it. It is the the uh, kitten caboodle, the bee's knees, the talk of the town. Um, it's the Star Wars experience created by Disney and just the fact that Disney decided to prioritize creating two of these, one for Disneyland and one for Disney World, speaks to the way in which they're prioritizing these kind of experiences. Of course, how that looks in actualization, it all coming together, is something that is also the point of much discussion throughout the immersive community, which if you're not aware of, go check out Everything Immersive, the Facebook group. Or listen to the second part of the conversation with Noah Nelson of No Presenium, where we discuss in short the way the Galaxy's Edge relates to the rest of the immersive world. We have Secret Cinema, of course, still doing their incredible, phenomenal thing. Their massive immersive engine that has encompassed now the IP, the... Um, the stories of Dirty Dancing coming up. Currently, they're running Stranger Things. They just came out of doing Moulin Rouge. They believe they have a James Bond opening in Shanghai. And then there's Evermore. Evermore got legs under it this year and started sprinting in a town called Pleasant Grove outside of Salt Lake City. And it's this incredible, elaborate fantasy world where you can step into whatever fictional fantasy world. And I'm talking like, you know, dwarves and goblins and orcs and dragons and that kind of fantasy that has been constructed. I think they shipped over 20 shipping containers worth of historical pieces of architecture and artifacts from Europe to just create this incredibly detailed environment for people to explore. And they're still building they're open, but they're still building more. And that 
that is an incredible pursuit. That is something that being created by someone who's not Disney speaks to the kind of hunger there is for immersive out in the world. And actually, as an interesting side note, the creator of Evermore, um, I believe his name is Ken Brettschneider, um, if I'm pronouncing that right, is actually also a co-founder of The Void Experiences. The Void is the VR experiences that have now spread across the world. And the folks who did things like Secrets of the Empire for the Star Wars experience, Jumanji, the haunted VR experience Nicodemus, which... I continuously hear incredible things about. You have Amazon who paid for the immersive experience activations for their TV series, The Expanse and Carnival Row and The Boys, which again, you know, another shameless callback. But if you want to know more about that, the episode just previous to this with Ross Tippograph digs into those experiences a little bit um, as he was actually part of the team designing and directing that project and bringing that whole thing to life. So we have... All of these massive examples of the way that people are recognizing and seeing value in connecting to each other through shared experience as the backdrop for the kind of conversations that are had around this idea of rehearsal for resistance. Being inside these fictional worlds gives one the opportunity to relearn agency in a way, to practice what it feels like to go out and inherently have to make a lot of decisions in a world that you're kind of uncomfortable with, or maybe not uncomfortable with, in a world that is unfamiliar, in a world that you're just learning the rules of, which is, I mean, in many ways, our world. We're learning the rules of our world every single day, even though, you know, the baseline foundations, the truths of life, what have you, might seem oftentimes like, hey, we kind of got this. We know how to at least survive on a day-to-day basis. But there's still so many alien and completely extraordinary parts of the real world that are unfamiliar to us, that having to jump into a world where you're very cognizant of the fact that you don't know the rules of this world is exactly that. It is rehearsal. It is practicing. It is rehearsing what it looks like to be your own person, to think for yourself, to resist the intent of others that have their own agenda for you, even if they're not malevolent. People still want you to do things. And immersive experience, immersive entertainment, gives us the chance to practice what it's like to add a whole lot more awareness to the decisions that we make about our own time and the way we live our own lives. And this whole concept of agency, like this is playing. And so play is this space where you get to experiment and do so in a certain way. So again, resistance and agency and play are these foundational concepts of what immersive experience is about. This core intrinsic part of the meaning and connotation attached to immersive experiences. And so play, let's talk about play. Last time we discussed this on the podcast specifically was again episode 21 when I asked you all to answer the question, what is the value of play? We got in touch with a few of you who reached out after that episode aired to record your thoughts. I think that it's something that people kind of forget how to do when we grow up. And a lot of people's lives are full of stress. And, you know, you've got a constant to-do list. You're constantly on the go. And it's so important to play because that's really what 
kind of brings you back into who you really are and kind of makes you feel alive. Like, I feel like playing is really, it's a way to experience a different side of yourself and a more true side of yourself where you're not weighed down by all of that stress. You're able to just enjoy life in the moment. So playing is important to me because not only does the action of playing make you go outside your box and really explore your imagination, but as a child, that's something that, you know, you are told that that's something that's your normal. But as an adult, you're told that you're supposed to grow up and that it's more, I guess, childlike to play. But I think it's really important to remain playing because not only does that, I guess, create the opportunity for you to explore more of that imagination as an adult, but it really allows you to still connect with kids in that way too. Um, well, I think playing is very important, especially for an adult, because, uh, you know, that's something that you do when you're a kid or when, you, when you're a child. And, you know, sometimes we forget that, you know, deep down inside we are children. Playing video games, for for example, I've been doing it since I was a, a kid. And to th- to not play it now that I'm in my 30s, like, it would just feel off. Like, I would not, I would just feel like I'm getting old. Like, I just, you know, what's, what's, like, what are you going to do after that, right? Just die, right? Like, to me, playing is, it's, it's in our blood. I, I don't care how old you are. Uh, even my grandpa, who's like, you know, almost 80 years old, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll play a game of cards or he'll play, uh, you know, bocce ball. Uh, he'll play dominoes. You know, play is just, it's like air. You know, we breathe it in every single day. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's just in our nature. That's it. Well, I mean, the, the core of playing is interaction. And really, that's the center of our society. Everything that we build, all of the rules and, and structure and things that we do as a part of our habits and our lives is all structured around interacting with other people. And really, it comes down to that core instinct of wanting to feel good that I think that psychological draw we all have towards you know, the, the happy chemicals in our brain. And play is one of the first things you experience as a very f- young child still in formation. And I think that it all stems from the beginning. Um, for me, I think play allows me to experience things in a safe environment. So it allows you to test the boundaries of what you want to do. So for instance, if you're playing D&D and you want to be um, some kind of rogue or fighter, you can do that. And you're not actually going out and learning all these skills and you can maybe be a little bit louder, maybe be a little bit more bold, but you're still in the safety of your own skin and experiences. And I think for me, that allows me to then become more bold and empowered in kind of every day-to-day life. And first off, thank you for being willing to share your thoughts. Anessa, Kelsey, Chris, Dan, and that last voice you heard there, Jess. Jess's thoughts there really actually do a great job of characterizing my theory about the importance of play and what happens when we lose the ability to play play whatever form that may take is your opportunity to go and experiment to be someone else to do something else to try something different to exert your own free will on a scenario on a situation in a really low risk way low risk is something that oftentimes starts to sort itself out of daily life as an adult oftentimes. And I think that that's a big part of why we feel like we start to play less or take play less seriously as we grow older. 
because as we grow older, we do more things that are risky, that have more significant consequences. And of course, that's necessary. That's important. It is fantastic. We should be daring greatly. We should be taking risks. That's necessary. But play gives us a chance to come back and exist in a place that you can take risks more fluently, to rehearse taking risks and being something that you might not typically be in a daily basis. Wear a mask, wear a costume, what have you, even if not literally, just the setting and scenario gives you this place to experiment with a lower degree of risk. And risk is something that I think has a very specific kind of relationship with the year 2020. Things are moving quickly. We've talked about this before, but things are moving at really, truly extraordinary pace in our world overall, not in immersive, also in immersive, yes, but not just in immersive, especially the world around us is moving more and more and more quickly. And the risks that we have to take on a daily basis are changing in their texture and changing in their meaning. Because of all of this development and evolution and change that we're seeing and living through, this in a lot of ways is the time to have cultural conversations, which can feel risky. It's the time to go and add intention and awareness in whatever way one can to these things that are sometimes difficult to chew on, things that are nuanced and do not fit into the culture of immediate gratification and quick transference of information that is prioritized by social media algorithms and the like. It's the fact that this idea of rehearsal for resistance came up in such a significant way in 2019, I think in many ways effectively sets the stage for what 2020 could and maybe should look like for immersive entertainment. Experiences that are entertaining and fun and exciting, but also experiences that let us live through, live in worlds consider in visceral, emotional, in-person, first-person ways the kind of changes that our global society is going through. And these experiences oftentimes, while maybe not as fluffy as any given um, very surreal or fictional fantasy world, can be really, really impactful. They are anchored to the real world. They are anchored to real experiences. And having the chance to play in a world like that in a scenario that takes into consideration for an anchor point the world that we live in they have the potential to reframe perspective in a significant way they have the potential to again start conversations in a way that very few other things can they have the potential to change a lot and it seems like there are more and more conversations being had around immersive entertainment as more than a way to enter into fictional worlds. And you can even have a fictional world that pertains to real cultural conversations as well, obviously. That's almost kind of what Carnival Row is speaking to that. I mean, there is this whole discussion about racism had in that show based on the, you know, fairies and the humans and all the other mystical creatures in that world. I haven't seen the show, so I can't speak to what it's saying or how it's saying it, but that's a conversation that is definitely being had in that very fictional world. And I suspect that that 
in many ways is going to be a big part of what 2020 looks like for immersive experience, both creators, again, and participants. And finding ways to both seek out these shows and create these shows, I think, could do some really meaningful good. Not as a nebulous concept, but as a very specific way in which it impacts people's lives. And so that is 2019 play and 2020. Um, Before we wrap up the episode, of course, I want to say thank you so much for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode or any episode of the Immersion Nation podcast. Please feel free to reach out on the contact on the website or shoot Immersion Nation a message on Facebook or DM us on Instagram. Pick your poison. But before we wrap this episode up, of course, I promised that we would return to the discussion of the 2019 Immersion Awards. The nominations for the 2019 Immersion Awards, which I'm going to list out by name, not by category, because there are a lot of categories. And you can, of course, if you would like to go check those out and everybody in each of their respective categories on the Immersion Nation website, there will be a link to that in the show notes. And without further ado, the nominees are The Cooping Theory, 1969, Who Killed Edgar Allan Poe by Poseidon Theatre Company. Chaos Theory by I Can't Go On Games. The Man From Beyond by Strange Bird Immersive. Pips Island by Pips Island. House of Creep by Just Fix It Productions. Broken Bone Bathtub by Siobhan O'Loughlin. Escape From Godot by Mr. and Mischief. Remembrance by Link Dance Theater. The Nest by Scout Expedition Co. Tales by Candlelight by Walk the Night Immersive and Christoph Vischer. Death of a Gangster by Murder Mystery Company. The Privilege of Escape by Creative Time and Risa Puno. Camp Christmas by the Denver Center for the Performing Arts and Lonnie Hansen. Red Flags by Capital W. Stand the Line by The Martin in Chicago. The Kansas Collection, Chapter 10, The Portal by The Speakeasy Society. The Pod by Lucid Dramatics and Spy Brunch, LLC. The Rabbit Cage by Dino Lion. Murder Mystery Dinner by The Dinner Detective. Touch Incarnation by Touch Immersive. It's a Mediocre Life by Purple Cran Immersive. The Severance Theory, Welcome to Respite, the first part of the three-part series by Coact Productions. Grace and the Hanukkah Miracle by Chicago Immersive. Our Town by Majestic Repertory Theater. User Not Found by Dante or Die and Bam Theater in New York. Rogues Gallery by Broken Ghost Immersives. And finally, Open Spaces, an art dinner for aliens. Once again, by The Martin in Chicago. And there we have it. If you're waiting on the release of this episode on Friday, I apologize for the late release here. It just made sense to hold off on the publication of this episode to be released in conjunction with the nominations of the Immersion Awards. Anyhow, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. I hope you all have the best and most interesting adventures in the immersive world. And, of course... Thank you for joining us in this adventure.